Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Mark Irwin Schiff is the author of Why Not? Lessons on Comedy, Courage, and Chutzpah. Mark is a stand-up comedian who has headlined at comedy clubs nationwide, including all the major casinos in Las Vegas and Atlantic City. He has toured worldwide with Jerry Seinfeld for 15 years. Mark has had specials on HBO and Showtime, appeared multiple times on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, and Late Night with David Letterman. He's featured in Seinfeld's Netflix special, Jerry Before Seinfeld, and Live from the Laugh Factory with Dom Irera, and has been the featured act at the Montreal Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. He is the co-editor of I Killed, True Stories of the Road from America's Top Comics, co-authored the playwright Married People with Steve Schaffer, which played to sold-out audiences in Los Angeles in 2019, and the comic, which ran in Los Angeles for 10 months, as well as the Aspen Comedy Festival. A regular contributor to LA's Jewish Journal and the host of the podcast You Don't Know Schiff, Mark lives in Los Angeles with his first wife, fifth dog, and photos of his three sons who have all moved out, have good jobs, and yet still manage to call and ask for money. 
Welcome, Mark. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss why not lessons on comedy, courage, and chutzpah. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, Zibby, for having me. It's my pleasure. And uh, I was at your bookstore in Los Angeles. I did an event there, and it's a wonderful bookstore. It's it's almost like, uh, I don't know why I thought it's like, like a home library. It's very comfortable. You know, it's 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 small, and, you know, it's got rows of books, and... Uh, it's just sweet. It's a sweet store in a beautiful neighborhood. And we had a beautiful event there. Oh my gosh. Who were you with? Who were you in conversation with? Well, Wayne Fetterman, another comedian like myself, he wrote a book about the history of stand-up comedy. And I'm and we both together did an event at your store. That's so great. I'm sorry I wasn't there, but it sounds amazing. <laughs> it's my second favorite store. My first favorite store is The Strand. Wow. Second, just after the strand. That's amazing. I'm totally honored. It by is that. amazing. <laughs> I loved it. So. Oh, well, I actually, it looks just like my house. <laughs> I have the same contractor yeah. and it's like, I wanted it to feel just like another room in my house. It just happens to not be in my house. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, right. that's what I said. Yeah. Well, thank you for, thank you for going there and, and doing it. We've just started live streaming all of our events because I keep missing them because I'm in New York. So now every time there's one and it's perfect because my kids will have just fallen asleep. I put it on my phone or I put it up on the TV from YouTube and I can feel like I'm there. So next time I won't miss events like yours. Anyway, but back to you and, and your book, which I really loved. And I will definitely not ask you how old you were having read it. And I was like, I wonder how old he's going to look. <laughs> but Anyway, why don't you tell listeners a little bit more about your book and even why you decided, and I know you, you explain why in the book, but why you decided to even make this a book and when you started writing your columns and all of that. Right. So it started a long time ago. I got a phone call. I, I didn't start out to write the book. And I, I've heard this a lot on your show. I've listened to your podcast and a lot of writers, they don't start out to do it. And then all of a sudden a miracle happens and they have a book. So that's kind of what happened with me. I got a phone call from the Jewish Journal in Los Angeles from the editor, and I do stand-up comedy, and he loves my stand-up comedy. He thinks so funny. He said, Mark, why don't, why don't you write something for us? And I uh, I thought about it for a minute, and I said, uh, why not? And I wrote it, and he liked it. And he said, you know, this is pretty good, and people seem to like it. Why don't you write something else? So I wrote, I said, why not? And I wrote it. And those two words, why not, is one of the reasons the book is here now. Because the book is called Why Not? So if I had said to the guy, um, David Suisse is his name. He's the editor of the Jewish Journal. If I said, no, thanks, that book would not be here now. And two words can change your life. When you get married and you say, I do, your life has changed. And, not, and you don't know what's going to happen when you say certain words. But if you throw yourself into life, things happen. So I kept writing and writing and writing. And I had about 40 essays. And the guy was great. He gave me a page and a paper anytime I wanted. Could you imagine this? If, if you're a writer and you have an opportunity, it's, it's mind boggling. And then COVID hit. So on my COVID vacation, a two and a half year vacation, I decided not to eat and get fat and not to watch television. And I looked at this and I said, you know, maybe, maybe there's a book here. I got 40 of these. And uh, I just kept writing and writing. And finally, I, I, there's an agent in New York. His name is Murray Weiss, and I knew him. I had written a play. He tried to get my play off, off the ground. Didn't happen. But I said, Murray, I, I think I, I wrote a book. And he said, I said, would you like to read it? And you know what he said? Why not? <laughs> and I sent it to him. I'm, I'm serious. This is exactly what happened. <laughs> it's so perfect. Yeah. I sent it to him, and he read it. 
And he said, you know, I think you have a book here. Would you like me to help you put it together? And you know what I said? Why not? Why not? That's exactly it. So when you make a long story short, he he mentored me. He helped me do this. And we put it together. And then he said, I, I want to start sending it out. Would you like me to send it out? Why not? And he sent it out. 37 rejections in a row. Beautiful emails back. They like my work, but you're not. The, they didn't have a comment on the work. They said, you're not the type of guy we're looking. We, we want this uh, younger and whatever. So finally, an uh, Apollo Publishers stepped up and they said, we like it. And we'd like to have a Zoom meeting with Mark. Would he like to meet with us? Why not? <laughs> and we met and they uh, we talked. And we all liked each other. And they said they wanted to publish it. And I said, go ahead. And uh, that's it. The book is here. But then, you know, when you write something, you never realize what you're really writing it for sometimes. And uh, really what this book is, it's a footprint of my life for my children. I got three boys. And you've got, you've got your, your family, nice-sized family. They, don't know, they didn't know much about my life. You know, kids, they grow up and, you know, and, and they're great kids and they're all, but they, they didn't know a lot. And a lot of this I wrote so they would know about where I came from. And the book will have a lot more value to them after I'm gone in many ways. They read it now. They like it. But when they really look back after that day comes, they'll they'll know what I was about. So that's kind of the overview of, of the book. That's so nice. I know I wrote a memoir and I'm like, I can't get my kids to read it. Yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> I'm right. It's absolutely, it's crazy, right? I know. I'm like, it's my life story. They're like, whatever, you know, let me go back to YouTube. I'm like, okay, that's how interesting I am to you, but fine, whatever. But you'll be, you'll be happy later. <laughs> and I wrote all about them in the book. Although one of my sons, my middle son, uh, he thinks I, I wrote less about him than the other one. So we have this whole controversy with him. So I just recently had to write something just about him to make him happy. <laughs> you just can't win. Parenting is so famous. But, <laughs> you know, one of the parts of your book that I was so moved by and inspired by and just really resonated was, was your talking about your body and your weight and trying to keep this weight off and the 50 pounds that you lost and how every day you wake up and it's a struggle. I have been sort of struggling with my weight forever and have not gotten to the like post, I lost the weight, kept it off thing. I've gone through many, many ups and downs and your book, and I know it was health inspired, not because you need, you know, you differentiate between need and want and all of that, but, um, but just that you wake up and you're like, this is something I have to do every day is, is not have the cake I want or whatever. Right. Uh, t- just tell me more about all of that. So yeah, I lost 50 pounds about 10, a little over 10 years ago and losing the weight was not that difficult. It was actually exciting. You know, every day, you know, the things are fitting, the pants are falling off and it's, I would, it was crazy. It was so exciting. And then I lost the weight. I got to where I wanted to be. I got to my high school weight. I was wearing my my kids' clothes. It was unbelievable. You know, I went into Forever 21. I'm 70 years old. I was, I was, I, I was, I was afraid to go into Forever 21 because I thought they would throw me out. You know, they go like, what's this guy doing here? Is he a store detective or something? And I started buying clothes in H&M and Zara. It was crazy. But... <laughs> Keeping the weight off is murder. It's there's, there's a guy inside of me that wants to come out every day and he wants to, you know, just. So I have a little system. And one of the things I do is I have these two friends 
and we call each other every day and we check in and I'll, with our exercise, I'll call and go, I'm done exercise. I exercise seven days a week now. And I don't go crazy. I don't do four hours. I do 40 minutes a day. And uh, I call my friends. And if I'm going to want to eat something that is not right for me and it's hard to do, I'll call them and say, listen, I'm about to dive into this thing. And then I try not to do it. But I don't beat myself up. And I always get back on track. And I try not to in my head, where the head goes, it's too late, it's over, you gain back four pounds, the whole thing is over. So I, I don't let myself defeat myself. And it's it's difficult, but um, so worth it. For the accountability with your friends, how does it, like, how did you find the right people even? Like, how do you, and how did you know when you needed that? And what happens when you do fall off the wagon? Like, why does it not collapse for you? Well, because you have other people that you're accountable to and they and they they calm you down, they calm your nerves. So these two guys I know forever. One guy, Bernie, lost 175 pounds and he's kept it off now for well over 10 years. And the other guy, Steve Middleman, also had done the same thing. We all we do. We exercise every day. But there's a saying it starts in the kitchen and ends in the gym. Mm -hmm. And. I could run from, I don't know where you live, but let's say you lived on 85th Street. I could run from 85th Street down to Grants Village. That's a cookie. I lost 230 calories. Exercise doesn't do it. Once you lose the weight, exercise maintains it, but it, you don't lose weight by exercise. So it's all about accountability here. And uh, I know there are certain things that are just bad. I stopped everything, by the way, Zippy. I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. I, I started eating well. I reversed my entire life. Wow. It's so impressive. 38 years. I haven't had a drink. Oh my gosh. Not even water. No. <laughs> so yeah, I started off on the wrong foot in life and, uh, I kind of chucked everything that I thought was right. And I had to reverse almost everything in my life. Now, I have to say that what you wrote about growing up and the deep sadness you felt and, your loneliness and the pain that you went through, that was, it was tough. I mean, my heart really broke for you as a kid. And I was, I'm, it's, it's great. You could sort of recognize it now, write about it, like move on from it and, and face it. Cause a lot of times with trauma and all that stuff, you just like sweep it under and never really pull it out to examine. And I'm wondering how that felt for you when you went through that. Well, writing about my mom was very difficult. Very, very difficult, but it was cathartic. And, you know, when I look back on it, I, I just had to write it. And by, you know, I was in therapy for 17 years and it, it, it helped, but it didn't, it, it didn't, some things you just never get rid of. And, and writing it out really uh, changed everything for me. I really got a good view of, of what was going on. One of the things in, in the book, which I'm most proud of is that, even though I had a tough life and a tough beginning and all that stuff, and uh, nobody gets hurt in the book. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I'm most proud of. I'm not saying nasty things about people and people that hurt me. I'm not trying to destroy them back. There's none of that stuff in the book. And I've developed something from my mother. And God bless her. I know how much she loved me. She had, she was probably bipolar. But they didn't, they didn't know that in 1960. They called it high strung. It was crazy. And um, I have empathy for her now that I never had before. I, I feel like in the book, you came to this realization, like my parents were sick. You know, there was something going yeah, on with them. Yeah. And and you don't know that when you're a kid. And uh, 
I'm not excusing anything, but they they did what they could do. They did the best they could. And I know they loved me. And thank God for my father, because I really knew he loved me all along. If you got one person in your life, you know, that really cares and really loves you, it can take you far. Yes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I feel like it. you set it up so that it makes sense why you are so happy being a part of the Jewish community and why like being there and living there yeah. and sort of adopting that is like a place to find that sense of home sometimes doesn't come at home. That's right. I mean, you have with your family now, but um, I don't know. I also love those parts where, <laughs> you know, you're, you're like, where else can you find all these people? I love these Jewish names and I love this, you know, it's like, and I'm Jewish myself. So I get it. I get what you're saying. Like there is something very, com- it's very comforting. It's very comforting for me. I, I, I've always lived in Jewish neighborhoods my whole life. In in New York, I lived in the, I grew up in the Bronx and Forest Hills, Manhattan, and then I jumped across the country and I lived in Los Angeles. I live in a very Jewish neighborhood now, and I love seeing Jews. I love you know, and I mean, I just I there's something about feeling at home with 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 my people here, and I love rabbis. It sounds insane, but <laughs> I love rabbis. I love when the greatest thing about going to a synagogue is when a rabbi talks. Either you learn something, or you get a good nap. <laughs> you cannot lose. You know, I'll tell you a funny story. There was a rabbi in uh, San Antonio. I lived there. My wife is from Texas. She used to actually ride a horse to school. Wow. A Jewish girl riding a horse to school. Can you imagine this? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I always fall asleep at synagogue. It happens a lot. And I said to this rabbi, I want to come listen to you speak in the afternoons, but there's a good chance I'm going to fall asleep when you're speaking. Is that okay with you? And he said, absolutely come. And I sat next to him and I was asleep almost every week. And he was so <laughs> kind to me. If you're honest with people and tell them what's going on, it, it takes you a long way. I have to say, my husband converted to Judaism. And I used to go with him in the beginning when he would have the meetings with the rabbi. And he was in this dark, not, like kind of airless office down below okay. the sanctuary, whatever. <laughs> And I would always like sit on the couch and fall asleep. And it was so embarrassing. There were only three of us in his office. And I just kept, I could not stay awake. And now he jokes about it, but I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. 
just I'm going to come in and fall asleep. So I get it. <laughs> Maybe it was just his voice. Well, you know, there's a, there's a rabbi in Los Angeles. He runs the uh, center there, and his name is Rabbi Heyer. And he used to be a rabbi in uh, Canada. And they came to him, the police came once and said, in case of emergency, how many people can your synagogue sleep if we need it? And he goes, well, every Saturday when I speak, I sleep over 300 people. <laughs> That's really funny. I love that. <laughs> so you took the pain of the past and all of your experience and you found comedy and you write about when you kind of realized that this is something you want to do, even though nobody believed you would really do it necessarily. Right. Um, and then of course made this, this huge career so much. So like Jerry Seinfeld, you grew up with him and he forward, wrote the forward in the book and all these people you said you really came up with right. in your industry. Talk about that and like, and that journey of becoming a stand-up comedian, which is such a, a wish for so many and so few actually make it. Right. I've been blessed. I've worked over 40 years as stand-up. I was really never out of work. It's, it's absolutely in show business. It's amazing. A uh, very small percentage of people. So when I was 12 years old, my parents took me to a nightclub. I'm an only child. So they took me everywhere and they took me to a nightclub and Rodney Dangerfield, the great comedian, Rodney Dangerfield opened the show. He came out. Oh my gosh. He got all these. He, I never saw people laugh like this in my entire, I saw my parents laugh in a way that I'd never saw them laugh my entire life. And I, I, I made a decision. I had an epiphany. I said, that's it. I'm going to be a comedian. I know. I didn't even know what it was. And uh, when I was 16, I started going to clubs to watch other comedians. 16, 17, I had my phony ID. I got in. And then when I was 18, I decided to try it. And I, I, I did a show, one show, and I bombed so bad, I didn't get on stage for five years. Oh, no. I was petrified. Oh. And at 23, I went back. I wrote original material. This is what you have to do. I memorized it. And for the next five years, I worked for free every night at different showcase clubs in New York. And I started with Jerry Seinfeld, Paul Reiser, a guy named Larry Miller, Gilbert Gottfried, you name it. This was my group coming up. And the only thing we cared about was not making money, not becoming famous, but becoming as funny as we can possibly be. That was the goal. And I also came up, all my, all my, the people that went the generation before me all were clean. They didn't curse on stage. There were no four-letter words. There wasn't big sex talk. And I decided I'm going to work clean. And I've never uh, veered off from there. So Jerry, I've been on the road with Jerry now for 20 years. And it's, it's an incredible tour. And he wouldn't have me on the road if I didn't do well, no matter how, how friendly, how close we were as friends. Because if you're going to open that show, you better be good. Because we're talking 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. We went to Israel, 17,000 people. I know. And you mentioned that was when like all these murders were happening all around you. And you had the security guards and you still had to get up. This, and your whole show must go on section. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, that's the, 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 I wrote a story called The Show Must Go On. And, uh, you know, in show business, it's like, you know, if you're a fireman and, and you don't feel like putting out a fire that day, if there's fire, you go. And in show business, yeah. if you don't feel like performing in your book, you do it. I had to do a show a week after my father died. And I talk, I talk about him in my act. And I was, I was in Lake Tahoe and I'm on stage in front of a thousand people. And I'm, I almost feel like crying on stage talking about my father who just passed, but you got to do it. Yeah. So. And you said it was, you said it was like a Shiva 
Having your own shiva on stage. That's right. Having all these people coming to the uh, the shiva. Yeah, I forgot I wrote that line. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah. Um, you know, something else that happened to me over the years is that I started out feeling miserable in life, and I'm I'm fairly bon vivant now. I never thought that that would happen in my life. I thought I was going to be depressed and miserable my whole life. But somehow, when you make certain changes in life, something came out. That's great. It's amazing. I didn't expect it. And so what do you attribute that to? I know you talk about your wonderful marriage and all of that. Yeah, 33 years. You know, interesting also about my group, Seinfeld, uh, Paul Reiser, my friend Larry, we all got married and we all stayed married. There were no divorces. You know, really interesting that this particular group, we all respect the institution of marriage. A lot of it has to do with service work. I bought into the idea that being of service in life is the most important thing. And when you have a family, you're nothing but being of service. You know, you got, you, I got three boys when they were growing up, you know, uh, and I, you know what the word schlepper is? You know, it's like uh, a guy that's always, I carry every, yep. I decided this is my lot in life. I'm a schlepper for my family. And how precious time is. You know, I wrote about it in the book too. When my wife was breastfeeding, when the kids were little, my job was get up three o'clock in the morning, go and get the baby bring him to my wife, and then bring him back. So one night I was in there picking up one of my sons at like three in the morning. And instead of griping about having to get up in the middle of the night, I thought this one minute that I'm going to have alone with this boy in the middle of the night is so precious and so important. I'll never be able to get it back. I'll only think about this in good ways, that I'm giving a gift right here to be with him alone at three o'clock in the morning for one minute and be of service. And sometimes thoughts like that can reverse everything. So true. What a great way to look at life and all the stuff, especially how fleeting this whole part of parenting is. It's unbelievable. And when you're in it, it's feels endless sometimes. <laughs> but but then you look back and you're like, wow, that was really nice that night. Yeah, you don't think it's ever going to end. Like, you know, when, when you, you know, the first seven years, you can't sit and have a meal. Yeah. Because you've got to keep chasing them around. You think this is going to go on forever. And then one day they're sitting at the table. On the other hand, I was getting a lot more exercise. <laughs> That's true too. Park your car. If you have a car, park six blocks. From me. I do that too. I always park blocks. I turn everything into a little bit of exercise. Smart. So when you're writing jokes versus writing essays, how do you do them differently? Or does it all just come out? Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's a great question. When we first handed the book over to different publishers to look at, some of the comments I got back was a little jokey. <laughs> some of the stuff seems, you know, and there is a difference. I'm not necessarily going for the joke in, in the essays, although I want them to be funny, a lot of them. In stand-up, you got to get to the point right away. You have no time to piddle. And the audience... Uh, with a guy like Seinfeld, they'll give him an extra 30 seconds. I'll come out, you know, they, you know, if I don't have it after 30, 40 seconds, they start getting antsy. As Jerry said, you better think you have something more important to say than they do, because otherwise they're <laughs> going to come after you. So uh, writing jokes, it's it's just another way of thinking. You know, we uh, things come to me and uh, I write them down. So I, I just love writing and, uh, you know, it's amazing. I always have when I was 12 years old. One night I got up and I started writing a play. Huh. I never even, I don't think I ever saw a play. <laughs> so what advice do you have for aspiring authors or even humorists or any, you know, anyone who wants to take what's in their minds and put it on the page? 
So, you know, we've all heard this, uh, you know, staying seated is, is one of the most important things. You know, if you can get yourself to the chair and not get up for a while, there's a good chance. I've been blessed. I've never had writer's block. Anytime I sit down, I can write. Not always good, of course, but at least I can I, I, I can write. I think I tell people that um, if you don't want to do it, you, you can't force yourself to, to really do it. I wanted to do it. It's just something, it's a, it's a need that, that's been in me my whole life. I do tell people if you want to write a memoir and you don't actually want to write it, record it. Mm. It's very important to leave a, a, a trace of your life for people, for your family. I think it's it's yes. really, really something. So if people want to watch your stand-up, like I know you're in Vegas now. Do you have, where can people watch you either in person or your past recorded stuff? So markshift.com tells you where I am all the time. I have a podcast, You Don't Know Shift. It took us uh, about a month and a half to come up with my uh, co-host, a guy named Lowell Benjamin. He's fantastic. And we have my podcast. And uh you know, and my uh, markshift.com and people go and they can see where I am and what I'm doing. And uh, I have some stuff on YouTube, not a lot, but I had a couple of specials that are out there, a Showtime special, an HBO special. Some of my Tonight Shows that I did with, all the way back with Johnny Carson are online. That was amazing. I think you probably may have read that story. You know, they told me I would never do the Johnny Carson show and I ended up being one of his favorites. Oh my gosh. Well, I think another lesson I'm getting from you is just don't listen to the the naysayers and all the people who might be standing in your way or rejecting you at first, just like keep on going. That's it. And yeah, you just, sometimes you're the only one that knows what you have Mm. and you don't even have to believe in it totally. You just got to just put it out there and do it and it can happen. I love that. Amazing. Mark, thank you. This was so great. Thank you for your book, the experience putting us in your head, opening up your life to all the readers. And thank you. I'll be watching more stuff of yours in the future. I hope to see you perform. <laughs> I'm going to head back to your bookstore when I get back to uh, Los Angeles, Santa Monica. Oh, please do. It's great. You should come there. I will. I'll be out there this summer. I'll be out a bunch. Good. Well, thank you, Zidane. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com